pullover. Lean in. It's time for the Soft Shoulder Podcast. I am your host, Danette Relic of Radical Creative Sanctuary, inviting spaciousness for your mind and your heart. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. The Soft Shoulder is your time. Your time to slow down and fuel up on self-love support so you can make the most of your gorgeous life. Join me here. Everyone needs a soft shoulder. Welcome. Welcome back to the Soft Shoulder Podcast, a podcast brought to you twice a month by Alison Tarr of techcoven.com. Alison makes candles, she makes magic, she reads tarot cards, and also has a wonderful collection, a growing collection of videos on YouTube. Please check her out at Tech Coven on um, Instagram, YouTube, and her site, techcoven.com. So, how are you doing? <laughs> how are you holding up? How are you out there? I'm really glad that you're here joining me, especially because I know that there's, you know, we're living so much of our lives online in more ways than we used to, uh, many of us, and um, I really appreciate your time and attention. I know that the past, like, goes in waves, but last week I was really needing to unplug, (laughs) like really needing to disconnect from a lot of communication and other things, and um, just needing some space between my ears, needing some space from, uh, digital things. So, um, really glad that you're here with me. Um, today's a little bit about overwhelm and, um, as usual about kindness. And I'm starting to realize, um, a real big theme in my work <laughs> and these podcasts is really about imagination and it's really about perspective. I, I, the more I write about it, the more I realize this is, I'm talking about this all the time. Really everything that I do, including self-marriage is really just a perspective shift. It's looking at something through a different lens and through that, getting the gifts that that lens has to offer us. This is why I, you know, Someone called me a metaphor weaver, and I really love the permission in that phrase because uh, sometimes I know I'm like, wow, I just I just spoke and I used 20 metaphors in (laughs) one paragraph. And when I was acknowledged as a metaphor weaver, it just made all of that okay. (laughs) Like I don't have to choose one. I'm a weaver. I'm bringing it all together. So um, I'm going to tell you a story. Um, when I would get sick, this still sometimes happens, but, um, now I'm conscious of it, (laughs) but when I would get sick, like a cold, um, I would, wow, like my mindset, my mood, my strings of hope would just get destroyed. Whenever I was sick, it felt like I've always been sick. There's never been a moment of health in my life and I will be sick forever. It really would just take my mental state down hard. And at some point, probably in my 20s, I started to realize this and I started to notice it and have a smidge of compassion about it. Go, oh, isn't it funny how I do that? 
but it's not true. It's so funny that when I have a cold, I feel like I'll be sick forever. And that's not true. And then I'd get sick again and I'd go through the same thing, have the same thoughts, feel like a useless piece of garbage. And then my body would heal and I'd feel fine again. (laughs) Surprise. Um, And so I had this idea that I was like, you know, I should write myself a letter to open when I get sick, like a crack in case of emergency. Um, So I'd, I'd write it and I'd have it there and it'll say, read when you're sick. And then I would imagine myself like getting that cold, feeling like I have this spiral of depresso misery, like just, just, just beating myself up so hard, like so bad. And then I would reach for this letter and open it up and it would be from my past self. And it would say, Hey, I know that you're feeling X, Y, Z. I know that you think this is going to go on forever. I'm here to tell you that it's not, you know? So this is a great idea. Have I done it? No. (laughs) And I swear to you, that was like, we're looking at 20 years, right? So maybe. Anyway, close enough. I've never done it. Um, I might have written notes about it in a journal somewhere, but, you know, shockingly, I didn't go hunting for it when I was sick. Because when I was in that state, I was in that state. I wasn't looking to get lifted out of it. I mean, there was nothing rational about my frame of mind in these times when I got sick. Anyhow, um, is it a good idea? Sure. Like, maybe I'll write it one day. But the point is, I didn't. (laughs) Now, recently, a friend of mine had the same idea, um, only it wasn't uh, having like like a sinus cold. It was like going through the more deeper bouts of depressive episodes. It was like, I should write a letter to myself with all the tools and all the things that I need to remember, and I should have it there to open for the for the next one. I should use this moment to create support for myself in the future when I go through this. And now usually, of course, I'm all for writing letters to yourself. I am all for setting your future self up for success. And at the same time, I was like, but are you going to reach for that letter? <laughs> like, let's also have some realistic expectations because I know that this friend is incredibly smart and resourceful and has tons of tools, just as I do, right? But the point of specifically in this case with depression, and this is like clinical depression, you know, you're already not reaching for things that quote unquote work, right? Like that's the the depression, like all the things that work aren't working. (laughs) That's kind of the point. So if you had this letter, like, would you even open it? Would you give a shit about what that letter has to say? Like when you're in it, you know, you're in it. And I didn't, (laughs) Tanette, are you going to make us feel better? I hope so. But I mean, the equivalent to that would be like if someone had a broken leg and you gave them advice that's like, you know what, when you get a broken leg, run to the store and get some crutches. But, you know, if you could run to the store, (laughs) you wouldn't need the crutches, (laughs) right? So anyways, I have, like my friend, like a lot of you, I have decades of deep study into self-help spirituality, psychology, healing, personal growth. I am constantly learning through like proper trainings and also just reading and just everything. I'm, I'm watching like, whenever I watch like a reality show, <laughs> I'm looking for like the personal growth that's going on in it. Like it's just, it's, it's constant. It's not for lack of tools, right? Now, does this mean that I'm never going to feel sad, that I'm never going to have a problem? I remember um, 
feeling really guilt. I did believe this at one point. I deluded myself into thinking I could just personal growth my way out of every experience, but that's not human. And I was moping about this to my naturopath years ago, and she just looked at me. It was so great. <laughs> Actually, this happened with two different people. One was a fellow coach, and she just leaned across the table and was like, Jeanette, you're not that special. <laughs> You're going to feel pain like everybody else. Like you're not going to be some miracle <laughs> in human person, which is not really the goal. So I loved how just she just called it out. I feel like that was in the same spirit where I said to my friend, like, are you going to read the letter? Like she's like, you're not that special. You're not, you know, you're not immune to the human condition. <laughs> and when I talked about this with my naturopath, she did the same thing. She leaned in and said, Danette. How do you think I feel when I get a cold? <laughs> and I was laughing because I'm like, of course she's going to get a cold. Of course doctors and health professionals get sick. Like, of course they do. So like, why would I, why was I expecting something different from myself? <laughs> like, you can't avoid all these things. It doesn't matter how many, how many tools that you have, right? So there are some things that are just not in our control. And there's no amount of knowledge that will save you from being a human being, right? Because you're not a robot. And this is a good thing. So I think it's important to accept this, right? If you are suffering right now, if you are lonely right now, if you have complicated challenges, health issues on top of like before the pandemic came in and now these are compounded, you know, you're not doing anything wrong. This is what you've got. Recently, I saw on Elizabeth Gilbert's Instagram, I caught wind of like a little thing she was saying where, you know, a lot of us have been talking about the particular challenges around, you know, those of us who are fortunate to be healthy and, and isolating, um, which is like a real privilege to be doing that. And she was talking about, you know, a lot of people have mentioned about the the challenge of not having physical touch, especially for those of us uh, who are not quarantining with family or animals, like people who are just getting really no touch from another being. And there's this fear around it because we are designed for connection, right? And maybe we have vague memories of some video of animals that didn't have their mother's touch and animals that did and the ones that didn't die and it's like okay they, first of all they were babies <laughs> but um you know we do need touch in our lives so this has been coming up a lot more and i really loved the perspective that she offered because she said it's true that we need touch it's true that we're wired for connection and that is not all that we are that is a part of who we are as humans but it's not all of what we are because we are also spiritual beings and then she said what she's curious about is you know in in any kind of spiritual path no matter where you're looking there's always some element of you know going through a period of isolation going into a deep retreat going through some kind of trial where we're removed from you know worldly things to have a spiritual experience of a different sort of a little more um, acute or in-depth way. And I just love that because I listened to, I, I was probably scrolling and heard like a few minutes <laughs> of a longer video, but in that moment, it really changed how I was looking at this because I don't have other humans around me. 
Um, so I am not being touched other than by myself. And, uh, and I was thinking along those lines of like, oh God, like, wow, how long is this going to go on for? What's going to be the impact? What's happening? And then when I saw that little bit of her speaking, I was like, oh yeah. And it got me curious. It got me kind of excited. Um, maybe excited is a strong word, like <laughs> not overjoyed, but interested. I think that's a better word. So I am not a doctor. I am not Alanis Morissette. I can tell you to meditate. There's a billion tools out there. There's a lot of apps out there. There's all kinds of stuff. You know this. And are you doing any of them? Are they actually going to help you? Why are you reaching for those things? Like when I wanted to like, you know, write this letter, I thought like, you know, oh, that'll just solve my problems. If I write that letter, then I'll remember. And that's not always the way it works. Because I know that you know all kinds of things you could do to make yourself feel better right now. So while I'm not a doctor, <laughs> I am an artist. And my greatest medium is my imagination. The imagination. We have, we all have imaginations. We all have access to it. If you feel like you don't, picture a yellow flower. I know you can see something, whether it's a cartoon or something. You know what a yellow flower looks like. That's your imagination. It's working, right? It might have just been sleeping for a while. It might be just a muscle you haven't really used a lot or you don't realize you're using, but you have it there. And in like any muscle, it can be developed. And so imagination as a creative tool is especially perfect for times when we're overwhelmed and for times when we're accepting things that we cannot change because we can change the way we see those things. Um, I have never done like formal improv. This is something that has scared the crap out of me <laughs> and also something I have wanted to do. My very first coach was trying to give me this homework and that was a very long time ago and I still have never done it. Um, I've done other things that kind of flirt with improv. Actually, I did contact improv and then I never went back. <laughs> Has anyone done that? It's really bizarre. Um, but anyways, yeah, didn't take drama in high school. Really terrified of anything theatrical. Um, but I've been thinking about it again lately. And a friend of mine uh, had recently watched some really entertaining improv. And we were just talking about the nature of it and how enjoyable it is. And I said, you know, this is basically watching adults play house. Like this is like, <laughs> like when you're a kid, you're just sort of like, okay, uh, imagine this is a kitchen and imagine we're well, let's make soup and okay and you're just sort of making crap up and acting out whatever and the game just goes on and on until you are bored and you don't want to keep imagining in that direction right um and i it's funny that we have to call it improv <laughs> as adults where this is just how a lot of children are living their lives we used to do this in some way or another there was some game there was something that we did with our imaginations I was thinking a lot about that, you know, the main principle or rule of improv. Yes. And that means for those of you who don't know, it's like uh, if you're trying to do improv with somebody, it's not fun to do it with someone who argues and shoots down all your ideas. <laughs> it's just going to stop the scene and it won't be good for anyone. So the idea is that if you're, you know, if you say, hey, let's play like let's pretend this is a kitchen. And then the other person says, yeah, it's a kitchen on a giant boat. And you don't really love that idea. Too bad. You say, yes, it's a kitchen on a giant boat. And. The boat is parked, you know, 
in the woods somewhere or whatever. Like you just, and the other person has to say yes and. And so it's just a way to keep the creativity alive, right? Allowing and building. This is, of course, an amazing skill to approach. Um, is it a skill? Well, it's a great, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> is it a perspective? Is it a, the skill is, I guess, putting it into practice. Think of all the places in your life where yes and would change everything. Imagine how great sex could be, obviously consensually, but like, you know, you don't just say yes for the hell of it. With your consenting partner, how playful, how interesting. Imagine art, imagine cooking, right? Imagine conversations, imagine debates. I don't know. I just feel like this is like, it rains. Oh, it's raining. It doesn't ruin your day. You're like, yes, it's raining. And let's go find a wonderful umbrella. Like it's just keeps things moving, right? So I was thinking about this and about how we played as children with our imaginations. Often, I don't know what kind of games you played as a kid, but like there's some common ones, right? Like imagining the ground is lava or something like that, like some kind of danger. You're on a play structure, like maybe at a park and it's like you can't touch the ground because it's like sharks or lava or alligators or whatever, something dangerous. You can't fall. Um other things like we would we would play kidnappings. We would play things like being tied to railroad tracks. <laughs> this must have been things we were seeing on television. Bank robberies, trapped in some kind of thing or another. Like we imagined some really terrifying scenarios and we didn't think anything of it. It's just like, hey, let's play lava. Like no one was afraid of the lava. <laughs> we're just we just thought this was a good time. So, you know, kids typically when they're playing you know, they'll might take something that's really scary and then up the ante. They, they might add more danger, make it more exciting, right? Like they'll burn something down or like you're fighting with swords and they might chop your arms off with their imaginary sword. And now you have to figure out how to fight with your feet or with your nose or find a special potion that makes your arms grow back. And maybe you get a third arm and then you can fight them more. Like this is just, you know, making problems and then getting resourceful with their imaginations in order to solve them. So we all did this in some way or another. Imagine that you're doing it now. Imagine that you're a kid, that you have that kind of free, <laughs> I was going to say free willy imagination, willy nilly. So you are playing a game right now called Pandemic. And you might up the ante by being like, yeah, you have a pandemic and depression. You have the pandemic and you're recovering from a brain injury. You have a pandemic and you just got your heart broken. And now you can't get your treatments and now you can't go out and do X, Y, Z. Imagine how you might play act this moment of your life, right? When you're playing, you know, your, your character, you're someone playing a role. So this character who's going through this thing that you're going through, what do they need? What would you give them if you were playing this out as a kid in a playground somewhere? Okay, we've got this person. Does this character need a friend? Is it going to be a friend from another planet or a friend they already know? An anonymous internet friend or someone they just haven't been in touch with for a while? Does your character do anything strange as a response to this circumstance? Does your character build something? Does your character start dressing funny? Does your character sleep for three entire days and have a dream that's like epic and like, I don't know, sends them on a quest? Does your character find God? Does your character, I don't know, 
<laughs> Whatever. You get the picture. <laughs> what do they do? What might a four-year-old write for your character in this? You know, Elizabeth Gilbert's thought about, you know, spiritual retreat and looking at this time as like a time for us spiritually to isolate and be curious about what's there. It made me think of this time in a new way, in just an instant. Is there anything romantic about this time for you, even like without changing anything, without changing any of the suffering that you have going on, the uncertainty or the pain? Is there anything interesting about it? Is there a world where this might be happening for you and not to you? Um, gosh, I don't know how many years ago it was, but I was in um, out for a movie date with a friend of mine and he wasn't really like watching previews or paying attention to you know, what was new in theaters or whatever. We just knew we were going to see a movie together. And <laughs> we get to the theater and there's three theaters. Um, and it's like, okay, the two that we can see right now that are about to play in the next hour are Life is Beautiful or Happiness. And his whole face lit up. He was like, oh, great. And I said, before you decide, <laughs> you need to know that Life is Beautiful is about the Holocaust and Happiness is about a pedophile. And his... <laughs> He just looked at me like, oh, I'm like, I really feel like that was important information because if you're just going on the titles, you're not at all prepared. Anyway, we saw Life is Beautiful that day. Now, this is an incredible example, this movie, about the power of imagination. We have a father and a child in a concentration camp. And to get through, the father the whole time pretends that they're playing a game and that they're trying to win a contest. And he just holds so much incredible courage and creativity to give his child a different experience and he has no idea how it's going to go how it's going to end if they're going to get out he doesn't know anything he just starts playing that game and the movie is heartbreaking as it is like adorable and endearing i haven't seen it i mean i've maybe seen it once since then but um, it really shows the power of how you can take your imagination and make a game and ha have bring play into something that doesn't change the circumstances, but it changes your experience of the circumstances. So um, similarly, um, in terms of game playing, I read this book called Super Better, and um, it was written by, oh shoot, I don't have it with me. I don't remember the author's name. The book is called Super Better, and it's written by this fabulous woman. She's an American, and she studies gaming and particularly video games. Uh, look, look up that book if you want to know more about her and her work. Um, she um, did get a concussion, actually, and that she used her gaming knowledge uh, to help her heal at a time where she just did not know what the hell was going on. Like She was really symptomatic, and at the time because um, there's been so much development and awareness around concussions. At the time, she, there was really nothing. Like she had absolutely no support um, or information from any doctors. So she decided to make it a game and that helped her move through it. She eventually healed. And then from that experience, turned this whole thing into a book and a site and a movement about how you can turn anything into a game. And, you know, for me, I was ready for it at the time. Um, but because uh, I couldn't have played, I don't think I could have played this early on. But when I read it or I heard about it, I was like, okay, so 
that's, you know, I'm going to make this a game, even though like every day is painful, I'm going to turn this into a game. Because one of the things that I remember that really stuck out for me was when you're playing a video game and like the monsters come, you don't take it personally. You don't think there's something wrong with you because there's an existence of a monster. You're expecting them. They're part of the game. Like we all know that you're not just going to play a car racing game and there's just no obstacles, right? The obstacles are part of the game design. So like once you kind of, you know, if you put that onto your life and you see these obstacles as, oh, here's this dragon I need to fight. Here's this you know thing I need to move around. It just sort of puts you into a place of curiosity and play and uh, how to get strategic around moving around. And uh, it's less of like, oh, God, what did I do to deserve this <laughs> dragon in my path, which will take you somewhere completely different. So right now, I can't get to any of the treatments that I was going to for my continuing recovery from a brain injury. So I am missing those as I am in quarantine. And um, I don't have that support in place. And uh, I did get resourceful and I uh, signed up for Concussion Compass, um, which is run by Molly Parker and Natasha, whose last name I can't remember. But um, I've mentioned Molly Parker probably before. Um, and it's a fabulous resource and it's great. And it's not, you know, I miss the support of like in-person treatment. It's not a replacement for treatments. It's like a community and uh, information support, but it's not a replacement for therapies, right? So what can I do in the meantime? How can I look at this? I can't control any of this stuff. I just have to take a break from treatment for a while. So, you know, well, What's good about that? Well, I'm also not paying for treatment for a while because that's expensive. So that's very helpful. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's also interesting. I wouldn't have taken a giant break from the treatments because they were really helpful. Um, but it's been very interesting as an experiment to see what's actually more stable than I thought. How am I faring uh, without that support? And that gives me information in terms of like, um, wow, like either like really getting the value of why those things are important or, and also like seeing how far I've come and like what, what, how might I, I shift or adjust my treatment when it's time to return and when I'm able to do that, you know, so I'm looking at that and, you know, figuring it out and, you know, it's been, it's a bumpy road. <laughs> it's a bumpy road. Let's not go too far down it. But anyways, coping, right? Like however you're coping with what you're dealing with and the, the support that you can't get right now, don't judge the ways in which you're coping during unprecedented times, right? This was unexpected. This is so much bigger than anything we've been through before. And you might be coping and maybe judging how you're doing or thinking you should be doing better. Um, it is understandable. However you're coping is how you're coping. The fact that you're coping is great. That's you taking care of yourself with the resources you have. And that's really important, right? With the resources you have, that's all that we can do. And what if you took it just a little less seriously? What if you make it a game? If this was a game, what would the point system be? <laughs> what do you want to keep track of? right? What are the, another thing I loved from the super better book was the concept of power ups. And, um, that there's certain things like, you know, and 
I don't know, I didn't play a ton of video games, but you know, um, like Magic Mushrooms with Super Mario Brothers, and like you could doop, jump up, get the mushroom, and that gives you superpowers. Like, what are the things that are going to give you a boost? So those might be things like sleep, you know, whatever. Um, but they could look like anything. It could be an activity. It could be, um, you know, something that you're doing like for your body, to your body. Um, what are the dragons and what are the monsters here? What are the challenges that you are going to have to face and overcome? And what are your strategize, sorry, <laughs> strategize <laughs> what are your strategies for overcoming the monsters? Who are your allies in this game? This one is particularly helpful in times of overwhelm, because if you are facing uncertainty about what your recovery might look like, you know, it's, um, it's really scary if you're really just not sure, um, you know, not only like when you might have a full recovery, but if you'll have a full recovery, right? Depending on what it is that you're facing. So, you know, when I was like early days of the brain injury, I was hearing a lot of stories that were really frightening. And there were a lot of experiences where, you know, people saw no improvement. People saw things get worse over time. People had multiple concussions, which complicated it and changed them forever. Um, you know, someone else who's like went on permanent disability because they were trying for a long time and then they were like, this is just it. And that changed everything, right? So me at the beginning of my journey with this new injury and all the symptoms, um, it was terrifying to, you know, think of that long term. And we're still like when I was doing that, here's what is important. That was still me using my imagination, but I was just imagining something that's a lot less fun because I had no proof. There's no sign. There was no, you know, these are just people's stories, right? And I was just choosing to imagine what if mine's the worst case scenario and boy, was that powerful to imagine, right? It's incredibly vulnerable to be, and it makes, it's understandable why people go down that road, but you know, um, it's still the use of the imagination. The imagination is powerful no matter what you're imagining, right? So if you steer it a little bit and imagine something different, you might not change the outcome, but you change your experience of the outcome. A lot of these things we can't predict. This is why that, you know, that game metaphor is so useful, right? For all of life, there will be monsters. The monsters, dragons, obstacles, they're not evidence of me failing. You know, we might be like, but what if they never stop? What if the monsters are there for the rest of my life? There, of course there will be, <laughs> right? Of course, there might be this particular one that you're dealing with. If not this one, there will be another. You're going to be facing dragons. You're going to be fighting monsters figuring out obstacles because you're a human being. But here's the thing, you know, if you go and you're playing a video game, you know, you don't get a lifetime of monsters at once. They trickle in. Starts with one, then comes two, then maybe three, then you get used to fighting three. Whereas like at the beginning, you couldn't even fight the first one. You just kept dying and then starting over and having to learn it again, right? So they're going to come trickling in one by one, small groups, right? And in a game, you're not given more than you can handle. If you are, you just start again. It might take several tries to overcome them, but that's part of the game, right? Start up, 
get up, power up, which means, you know, give yourself the support and nourishment you need. Every new level, there's a new devil, but you're playing the game, right? So this is really important (laughs) just to normalize the fact that it's like, these are your challenges and we all have them. Sometimes we have a little more than, you know, than we hoped for. And sometimes they're in different combinations and sometimes it's really scary. And, you know, part of you being alive and being a human being means this is going to happen and that you're going to learn how to move through these things. But the ally part of the game, I love that she included like, you know, who are your allies? And um, it's, it's so important because overwhelm is often a sign, not just that, that we our systems flooded and we're doing too much, but it's often because we're doing too much on our own. Who can you talk to? Who can you reach for? Who can you write to? You're not alone. You might feel alone, but you're not alone. I know, you know, it's it's so funny. I mean, I'm sure you've had these conversations where you hear someone talking about how alone they felt and you can relate. Almost every human being I've had a real intimate conversation with knows that feeling. So get curious, get playful, find some fun in this. If you're just like, if there's too much thinking involved, like I have to say when I picked up Super Better, the book, I was so excited by it. Well, I listened to it. I can't, I could never have read that <laughs> on paper. Most of how I'm reading these days is audio as much as I can, uh, as much as I can help it. Um, and so, you know, I listened to it, which was easier to kind of absorb. But when it came to like, it started getting really complicated not that the book was complicated, but I didn't have the capacity to, my mental capacity to like hold all that. It's very well studied. It's very great. Um, so I just took the parts that were fun. I just took the parts that were easy, which is just like, you know, making a fun point system and making the side of my refrigerator my scoreboard. And um, making it easier is a way of like allowing yourself the experience of play. Like, you know, when kids are playing, they just figure it out. They're not making it difficult for themselves. Like, like, you know, we have so much to learn from just watching children, but also remembering that we were children, that we have this ability, right? We have the ability to be playful, to be silly, to dress up for no reason, to make arbitrary rules, to break those rules. We can do all of that. That's your imagination. One thing I know that has been happening a lot for people from what I've seen is this time where there's some boredom happening um, because a lot of the things that we're doing are not available. A lot of our distractions are harder to come by. Um, It's making people bored, which is making people come home to some silliness and some creativity, the kind that you would get when you were a kid and you were bored, right? Like you don't have something to do every second and um there's lots of strange open spaces and I've been finding it really amusing to just see how many people are being hilarious or (laughs) weird like just seeing my own loved ones like just suddenly doing things that they've never tried before something that'll take four times as long but they've just got the time so they're doing it like this is a wonderful invitation 
whether you want to look at this like Elizabeth Gilbert does as like a spiritual retreat or just like a, a way to regress in a really wonderful way, like coming back to not just becoming a child again, you're not a child, but allowing the beauty of your imagination to be restored. It's yours. It's your birthright. Any restrictions on it are things that have been coming in through conditioning and fear and other things that go along with becoming an adult. But you have that muscle within you. So um, I know that you're scared and I know that this is hard sometimes. And of course, you know, that's real and it doesn't feel like a game. It doesn't feel like fun. You don't have to change that. You don't have to make it wrong. You don't have to remove the suffering. Sometimes the the most important pivot in our perspective, I didn't mean to say that many, (laughs) was that I feel like I was saying that Peter picked a pepper kind of thing. Anyway, sometimes, (laughs) sometimes the most powerful shift in perspective is just kindness, looking at yourself with kindness, the way that you would look at yourself, the way that you would look at someone else that you care about deeply, who's going through what you're going through. What would you say to that person? What would you wish for that person? It's okay to be experiencing whatever it is that you're experiencing. And we are born resourceful, you know, in working with what we have and creating from there, human beings are really fascinating creatures. Um, this morning I was talking with a fr- an artist friend and we were, t- <laughs> we were talking about the same thing about children and play and improv. And, um, <laughs> and I said, you know, so many of the games that I played when I was little were about me becoming some other object or some kind of other thing. Like pretend there's a game that I used to play with my uh, my next door neighbor and we pretend to be carrots. <laughs> that was the game. And I'm like, this is so weird. There's, there's no other animal who does this. Like imagine a bird saying to another bird, like, I'm just going to pretend I'm an acorn. Like it's, it's so weird, <laughs> but isn't that fascinating that we could do that, that we'd bother doing that, that we get any kind of enjoyment or sensation from it. There's so much to explore here. It is worth exploring because you can change. You can't change what's happening, but you can change your experience of what is happening. And you can make it a loving one. And you are someone worth loving. It all starts with you. It all starts with your imagination. And you've got it. I know you do. In the meantime, I hope that this was helpful. I hope this brought you some comfort, at least a laugh or two. Take good care of you, and we'll talk to you soon.